Well, thank you musicians for helping us express our hearts this morning. Will you take your Bibles and turn to Proverbs 31? As I mentioned earlier in our scripture reading, I would like to preach from the last two verses of Proverbs 31, verses 30 and 31, under the heading, Praising Women Who Fear God. That's what we want to do this morning. Proverbs 31, 30 reads, Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord she shall be praised. Give her the product of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Today, as you know, is Mother's Day. It is an opportunity for us to honor our mothers and grandmothers, to celebrate godly mothers, celebrate their love, to rejoice in all that they have done for us over the years and continue to do. And while most all Christian women are mothers that are worthy of commendation, we know that those who truly fear the Lord are a special object of God's praise. And that's what we want to look at. Women who possess a deep reverence for the one true God that has revealed himself in his word and in creation and in the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Women who love Christ and who obey him. Of course, this is the kind of woman that Satan despises. This is the kind of woman that the world will mock. When you think about it, God designed women to find joy and satisfaction in marriage and in family. They have a natural dot desire to be physically attracted to their husband. They have a, a mothering instinct, a nurturing instinct, a desire to protect their children. But we also know that as we look at our culture today, the gross immorality of lesbianism seeks to destroy all of this in our culture. Whenever homosexuality is allowed to flourish in a society, all virtue disappears. And today the female gender has become so degraded that God's design for marriage and family is now ridiculed. It's considered to be sexist misogynistic, a relic of religious patriarchy that must be abandoned, that must be canceled. Of course, Satan is always active in thwarting the purposes of God, and he seeks to destroy motherhood, perhaps above all else, because once motherhood goes, the family goes, and when the family goes, society goes. He seeks to obliterate God's design for marriage and his design for family. May I remind you that God has ordained two institutions, that of the church and of marriage. And he has designed them in such a way as to manifest his glory through Christ and through those who are a part of his church and those who are married and both of those institutions are to serve the head, who is the Lord Jesus Christ, and put his glory on display. And when that doesn't happen, the church falls apart, marriages fall apart, family falls apart, and there's a cascading effect of disaster. In a supreme act of blasphemous rebellion, the United States Supreme Court usurped God's authority and decided to redefine morality by legalizing same-sex marriage and abortion. And how sad to know that today one of the most dangerous places on earth is in a mother's womb. And even though 
people are born male and female now, that is even questioned. Now it can become nothing more than a preference. You can choose your own identity. And of course, as we look at our culture, the majority of people today are outraged with the truth recorded in Genesis 127 that, quote, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Instead, they believe that sexual identity is not biological, but it's a matter of personal preference. It's a level of insanity that is hard to wrap your mind around, a product of satanic deception. And as a result of these and many other forms of rebellion, we can see how God has abandoned this nation and frankly all of the countries of the world to the consequences of their own iniquities as we read in Romans chapter 1. In fact, there in chapter 1 verse 25 we read, For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason God gave them over to degrading passions for their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural and in the same way also the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. All we have to do is look at the female cultural icons that are before our eyes constantly in our culture. And what we will see are godless, Bible-mocking, Christ-mocking, immoral, feminists, lesbians, women who are gender-confused fools who are desperate for attention, and special treatment. Can you imagine a show on television devoted to godly mothering and a godly marriage where the hosts were godly women who loved the Lord Jesus Christ? Imagine that following the Ellen DeGeneres show or the five. To be sure our culture would mock the word of the Lord in our text this morning. Instead of saying charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, they would say charm and beauty is however you want to express yourself. (laughs) And a woman who fears the Lord is a homophobic, Bible-thumping bigot, and she must not be praised, she must be canceled. Well, dear friends, this is the attitude of those who do not fear the Lord. These are the people that God would call call a fool, as we will see. And were it not for God's grace, we would be among them. Now, in keeping with the structure of this poem that we have before us, these two verses really provide a concluding summary of a husband's praise. The primary purpose of of the the book of Proverbs uh, is the instruction of young people those who have yet to learn wisdom. In fact, in chapter 1, verse 4, we read, it's to give prudence to the naive, to the youth, knowledge and discretion. I look back on my life, and when I was about 21, I thought I had everything pretty well figured out, and I knew it by the time I was 30. And then by God's grace, he begins to expose how little I really know And he continues to do that every day. But thankfully, we have the Word of God. And in the beginning of the book of Proverbs, the Spirit-inspired writer uses a woman to personify wisdom, uh, a stark contrast with a woman of folly. Let me take you there for a moment. In Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20, He speaks of the woman here, woman wisdom. Wisdom shouts in the street, she lifts her voice in the square. At the head of the noisy street, she cries out. At the entrance of the gates in the city, she utters her sayings. How long, O naive ones, will you love being simple-minded? 
And scoffers delight themselves in scoffing, and fools hate knowledge. Turn to my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. Because I called and you refused, I stretched out my hand and no one paid attention. And you neglected all my counsel and did not want my reproof. I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your dread comes. When your dread comes like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind. When distress and anguish come upon you. Then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would not accept my counsel. They spurned all my reproof. So they shall eat of the fruit of their own way and be satiated with their own devices. For the waywardness of the naive will kill them. And the complacency of fools will destroy them. But he who listens to me shall live securely and will be at ease from the dread of evil. And this personification of woman wisdom will continue later on in chapters 8. You can read it again in chapter 9. But now in the end here in Proverbs 31 verses 10 through 31 we have a picture of the ideal, um, God-fearing woman who frankly serves as the model for a young man seeking a wife. Young men, we have much to learn from this passage, but it's also a magnificent picture of a godly mother. Let me digress for just a moment. Young men, please hear me. As we read in our text here today, charm and beauty are important, all right? And this text does not deny that. Nobody wants to fall in love with somebody that's horribly unattractive, all right? We understand that. But what you must learn is you must look beyond the externals. Look for a young woman who fears the Lord. That's the point. You will either marry a woman of folly or a woman of wisdom. The former will bring you nothing but misery. The latter will bring you great joy. Now, my desire this morning is to not only praise you women who fear the Lord, and my, we have so many in this church for which I am so grateful, but also to encourage you women in your walk with Christ, but also in so doing, All of us as men are going to be instructed. There's much here for us. We will be humbled by our responsibility to shepherd our wives and our daughters and our granddaughters and so forth and to care for all of the women that God has placed within the sphere of our influence. To this end, I wish to answer three questions. Number one, what does it mean to fear the Lord? Number two, what are the marks of a fool? And thirdly, what are fitting forms of praise for God-fearing women? So let's look at these for a few minutes this morning and see what the Spirit of God has to say. What does it mean to fear the Lord? Let me take you to Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7. Very familiar passage. There we read, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But then he adds this, fools despise wisdom and instruction. So literally what we understand from this passage and many others is that to fear the Lord is a decisive commitment to reject all competing deities and worship the God of the Bible exclusively. To humbly serve and obey the one true God that has revealed himself in scripture, in creation, and in the person and work of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. To do anything other than that puts you in the category of a fool. So to fear the Lord is to honor him, to worship him, to reverence him, not to necessarily be afraid of him. In fact, if I could put it this way, a godly woman will not run from the Lord, she will run towards him. There she will find safety and comfort and strength. Her heart will not be filled with terror, but it will be filled with trust. 
Her desire will not be to escape from God, but to enjoy Him. You know, we see so few God-fearing women these days, right? I mean, I look at these Hollywood celebrities, media personalities, female politicians, on and on it goes, all spewing their, their godless ideologies and, and opinions. And they're living examples of what Solomon described in Ecclesiastes 10 and verse 3, even when the fool walks along the road, his sense is lacking and he demonstrates to everyone that he is a fool. But I must say from the outset that all of us as believers must guard our own heart from the foolish proclivities that remain within us. We are so easily sucked in to things that would destroy us. And dishonor the Lord. I think of Solomon. Remember, Solomon was blessed with extraordinary wisdom. But he yielded to the lusts of his flesh. And he, he squandered God's blessing on his life. And he pursued his own personal pleasure rather than God's glory. You will remember that he had all that the world could offer. The wealthiest man that has ever lived. But he said that life apart from God is vanity. It's all vanity. It's all worthless. It's all futile. Whenever you attempt to find joy and satisfaction in life apart from a relationship with the one true and living God, your life will be filled with futility. He acknowledged that all this vanity was a result of the curse and all his selfish pursuits were nothing more than chasing after the wind. That's a vivid picture, isn't it? Chasing after the wind as if you're going to catch it, right? So what's the key to understanding the meaning of life? To finding lasting joy and satisfaction in the midst of all of the uncertainties of life. All of the disappointments of life. Well, here's what he said in Ecclesiastes 12, 13. The conclusion, when all has been heard, is fear God and keep his commandments. Because this applies to every person, he says. For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. In other words, remember, dear friends, that each one of us are accountable to God. All we do in life is comparatively irrelevant compared to that day of judgment when we stand in his presence. A day is coming for every man and woman when God will bring every act that we have ever committed under the scrutiny of his omniscient eye. Unbelievers who have had no fear of God before their eyes, who just lived for themselves, who had no love of the truth so as to be saved, will stand guilty and condemned before God's bar of justice when they behold the Lord Jesus Christ seated upon a great white throne with the contaminated universe having gone completely out of existence. They will stand in open space with no place to hide we are told that they will be, quote, judged according to their deeds. They will hear the verdict guilty, and according to Revelation 20 and verse 15, and anyone not found written in the book of life will be cast into the lake of fire. But likewise, as believers, we will also be judged before Christ at the beam of judgment, it's called the judgment seat of Christ, as we read about in 2 Corinthians 5, 9, and 10. And there, we're not being judged for our sins. That's already been judged on the cross, right? Jesus said, it is, it is finished. He paid the penalty. But there, the Lord will evaluate our lives and give to us the eternal rewards and praise from God. So, dear friends, as we begin to look at this, may I ask you to ask yourself, do I fear God? Now, to be sure, a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. May I challenge you to examine your life in light of 
Deuteronomy 10, beginning in verse 12, which is really the essence of God's law here. Deuteronomy 10, verse 12, we read, Now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require from you but to fear the Lord your God? And then he expands on what that looks like, to walk in all his ways and love him and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the Lord's commandments and his statutes, which I'm commanding you today for your good. Now, this is the opposite of those who are without Christ, who have never been born again. They read these types of things or hear these types of things, just kind of blow it off as a bunch of silliness. In fact, Paul tells us in Romans 3.18 that there is no fear of God before their eyes. And we all know people like this. Perhaps you are that way. They just live for themselves. They live as if God doesn't exist, as if there will not be a day of reckoning. They scoff at that. They have no ambition to submit to the authority of God. They have no adoration for the glory and greatness of God, no awe of his holiness. They have no angst of the judgment that awaits them for having offended a holy God. They don't even think about that. They have no aspiration to bow down before him and to repent and live to the praise of his glory. And of course, this is characteristic of fallen humanity. In fact, we read in Psalm 14, beginning in verse 1, The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. He goes on to say they are corrupt. They have committed abominable deeds. There is no one who does good. The Lord has looked down from heaven upon the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. But ah, not so for the godly woman who, because of God's grace, fears the Lord. Proverbs 1 and verse 7, the fear of the Lord, again, it's the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Young ladies, please hear me, you mature women as well, because mothers, you really need to teach this to your sons and daughters. Teach them that they will swim against the current of this world their entire life because most people do not fear the Lord. Most people have no knowledge of biblical truth, especially in these days of apostasies where so many people just make stuff up and call it Christian. They're always learning, according to 2 Timothy 3, 7, and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And as a result, they will perish in their sins. But a woman who fears the Lord is going to have a proper foundation upon which she can build her life and build the life of her children. She is going to have a proper worldview, a proper understanding of all that's happening in the world from a biblical perspective. She will therefore be a woman of prayer and a woman of the word. I hope you women are women of prayer and women of the word. Proverbs 2, beginning in verse 3, we read, For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. The Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. You show me a woman with no appetite for the word of God, and I will show you a woman who has no basis upon which to call herself a Christian. You show me a mother bereft of biblical understanding, bereft of spiritual wisdom, and I'll show you a woman whose life will gradually spin out of control. I mean, it's bad enough to not have that understanding, but to have no desire to learn 
and to obey. What a tragedy. To be raised in that kind of home where a mother is a fool is the worst kind of child abuse. And of course, this is the opposite of the divine instruction recorded in Psalm 3411, where we read, Come, you children, listen to me. Can't you just see a mother doing that? Come, you children, listen to me. Sit down here. Look at mommy in the eye. I want you to hear me. The rest of the verse says, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Ladies, are you doing that with your children? We could add that to the fathers too, right? Dear ones, please hear me. Satan is engaging in an extremely successful campaign to destroy your marriage and your family, the very bedrock of society. And like never before, our children are being targeted. And if you're not concerned about this, if you don't see our culture's rabid commitment to brainwash your children into believing what is right is wrong and what is wrong is right and what is male can be female and female can be... If you don't see that, you are terribly naive. Terribly naive. Everything from Disneyland to public schools is designed to indoctrinate our children into believing things like sexual freedom is okay. Gender identity is optional, not biological. Homosexuality and transgenderism is normal and acceptable. And it goes on and on and on. Dear friends, we are living in Sodom and Gomorrah. And you must see that. We will likewise be judged. All virtue is gone in our country. Insanity and gross immorality rules the day. And every time your child turns on a screen, or most of the time, in most places, goes to a public school, they are being indoctrinated. And many Christian schools as well. The blasphemous and damning ideologies of the evil one are being pumped into their brains. A fool will hear this and think I'm some kind of a Bible-thumping moron. I understand that. But those of you who know and love Christ, you know this is true. And don't think the saints at CBC are not affected. I've been appalled at some of the immodest dress among some of our own young women. Godless music, arrogant, worldly attitudes. I've been to some weddings where I I was literally shocked to see how some of our young ladies were dressed, desiring to expose as much of their body as possible and to exhibit as many of their tattoos as possible. And I think the thing that is even more heartbreaking is there doesn't seem to be anyone that's appalled at this. 1 Timothy 2, beginning in verse 9, I want women to adorn themselves with proper clothing, modestly and discreetly, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly garments, but rather by means of good works, as is proper for women making a claim to godliness. Young men, may I warn you, don't be seduced by a young woman who likes to flaunt her body. Frankly, the shorter the skirt, the bigger the fool. They seek the attention of men, not of God, and though they will gain the attention of foolish men, they will forfeit the attention and the blessing of a holy God. And unfortunately, though you will perhaps end up marrying someone like that, 99% of the time you will become collateral damage in God's judgment upon them. And you will receive within yourself the due recompense of your own folly. The more a woman reveals on the outside, I have seen the less she has to offer on the inside. Mark chapter 7, Jesus said in verse 21, For from within, out of the heart of men or women, proceed evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting and wickedness as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these things proceed from within and defile the men. 
Remember, again, charm is deceitful. Beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised, not only by man, but by God. I think of Proverbs chapter 5 and verse 3. For the lips of an adulteress drip honey and smoother than oil is her speech. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold of Sheol. She does not ponder the path of her life. Her ways are unstable. She does not know it. Now then, my sons, listen to me and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her and do not go near the door of her house. Or you will give your vigor to others and your years to the cruel one. And strangers will be filled with your strength and your hard-earned goods will go to the house of an alien. And you groan at your final end when your flesh and your body are consumed and say, How I have hated instruction and my heart spurned reproof. I have not listened to the voice of my teachers nor inclined my ear to my instructors. Parents, I plead with you as your pastor, you've got to hold the line in the home. Mothers, you in particular. I mean, think about it. Godly mothers have the greatest influence on their children. And therefore, your defenses must be established in the home. And then it must be followed by the church. In Proverbs 29, verse 15, we read, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. It could be translated, a child left unto himself. And in Ephesians 6, 4, we read, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. In other words, teach your children, mothers and dads, to fear the Lord. We look at scripture just here in Proverbs. I won't give you all of the references. It'd take too long. But we read that those who fear the Lord will give pleasure to God. They're loved by God, accepted by God. They receive mercy from God. They're blessed by God. They will be helped and protected by God. They will depart from evil. They will converse together of holy things. They will not fear man. Their desires will be granted by God and their days of life will be prolonged. Some pretty good reasons for fearing God, right? Psalm 112, beginning in verse 1, How blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. He will not fear evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. In light of this, I love what Charles Spurgeon once said many years ago in London, The fear of God is the death of every other fear. Like a mighty lion, it chases all other fears before it. Oh, what a privilege it is to have a wife or a mother who fears the Lord. Well, what are some of the marks of a fool? Well, again, let me give some of them to you without taking the time to give you references to each one that I have. But a fool will deny God, blaspheme God, mock sin, hate knowledge and instruction. In other words, they'll hear somebody like me and think, ah, They will die for lack of wisdom. They will feed on foolishness, display their folly, produce folly, make sport of mischief, walk in darkness, and hate to depart from evil. We read in Scripture that they are corrupt and abominable. Self-sufficient, self-confident, self-deceived, mere professors of religion, full of words, given to quarreling, slanderers, liars, slothful, angry, contentious, proud, a grief to parents. They come to shame. They destroy themselves by their speech. They enjoy the company of other fools and want nothing to do with the wise. Their lips are a snare to their soul. They cling to their folly as a dog returns to his own vomit. They worship idols. They trust in their own hearts. They depend upon their own wealth. They hear the gospel but do not obey it. Their mouth pours out folly. Honor is unbecoming for them. God has no pleasure in them. They shall not stand in the presence of God and believers should avoid them. You know, I have encountered many, as many educated fools as I have uneducated fools. 
my experience in the halls of academia has really confirmed this. In fact, again, quoting Spurgeon, Between the ignorant man who cannot read a letter and the learned man who is apt in all knowledge, there is small difference if they are both ignorant of Christ. Indeed, he goes on to say, the scholar's folly is in this case the greater of the two. The learned fool generally proves himself the worst of fools, for he invents theories which would be ridiculed if they could be understood, and he brings forth speculations which, if they were judged by common sense and men, were not turned into idiotic worshipers of imaginary authority, would be scouted from the universe with a hiss of derision. There are fools in colleges and fools in cottages. And boy, some of the stuff that we are being fed today is a great example of this. I think of Jeremiah. You remember the prophet Jeremiah? He served as both a, a priest as well as a prophet. He was called by God to warn Judah of his impending judgment upon them for their flagrant idol worship which included the, the sacrificing of children to the god Molech in the valley of Hinnom, uh, just outside Jerusalem, um, a wickedness equally as heinous as abortion today. And he warned of their religious hypocrisy, their dishonesty, their immorality, their injustice, their tyranny against the weak and the helpless, their slanderous accusations of the innocent, and especially the false prophets that came to them and said, oh, everything's going to be peaceful. God's not going to judge us. We are the covenant people. He's a God of love. And on and on it went. He pleaded with them to repent, but they were fools who would not and did not fear God. And here's what God said in Jeremiah 4 and verse 22. For my people are foolish, they know me not, they are stupid children and have no understanding. They are shrewd to do evil. Literally, they are skilled in the practice of wickedness. But to do good, they do not know. They refused to repent and God sent the Babylonians upon them and utterly destroyed them, which is a small sample of the kind of judgment that will be poured out upon fools that refuse to repent. But oh, dear friends, how thankful we can be for God's grace in saving us and helping us to understand the magnificent truths of the gospel and be changed. Paul described this in Titus 3 and verse 3. For we also once were foolish ourselves. <laughs> I, I can see my picture right there. Can't you see yours? Disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us. Not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior so that being justified by His grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Oh, dear friends, a woman who fears the Lord understands these great gospel truths and lives consistently with them. She doesn't merely understand it intellectually, but experientially. These are the great truths that captivate her soul. These are the great truths that humble her to the core. These are the things that become the center of gravity around which her entire orbit, her life orbits, and her children and her family and her husband and her grandchildren will orbit. These are the kind of women that God blesses. And we can see in Scripture that a woman who fears the Lord is not merely a spectator in the sanctifying process but rather she's a spirit-empowered participant. She's concerned about her godliness. She understands the command to, to, to strive against her own flesh for the sake of holiness and spiritual growth. That is a priority in her life. 
And she also knows that true righteousness is only possible through the power of God. That biblical sanctification is a cooperative effort between the Lord and his people. She understands this. In fact, the Apostle Paul spells out the paradoxical nature of that cooperative work in Philippians 2, beginning in verse 12. So then, he says, my beloved, just as you, view, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. You see, this kind of woman knows that she serves a holy God that loves her and wants to bless her. And so she will be a woman that fears the Lord and she will always live in fear and trembling. She will seek to give God honor in her life. She will have a tender conscience that will cause her to always be suspect of her own spirituality. She will be a woman that will come before the word of God and, and humble herself and say, Spirit of God, search me. See if there be any wicked way in me. Expose those areas in my life that might be dishonoring to you and might cause me to forfeit blessing in my life and in the lives of my children. This is a woman who is aware of the deceitfulness of her own heart and the subtle ways her flesh can seek to rule her life. This is a woman that can see the dangers of inner corruption and inherent weakness, and she will fight it. This is a woman who is devoted to walking by the Spirit so she will not carry out the desires of her flesh. This is a woman that seeks to honor and obey and glorify God in all things. And then from the wellspring of her reverential fear of God and her unwavering love for Him, flows the pure waters of holiness, a fountain from which her children can drink and her husband and her church family and her community. Ah, not so the fool. Not so the fool. Psalm 14, 1, again, the fool is said in his or her heart, there is no God, they are corrupt, they have committed abominable deeds, there is no one who seeks, who does good. As I read before, Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 10, 23, to do evil is like a sport to a fool. Chapter 12, verse 15, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. Chapter 15, verse 2, the mouth of fools pours forth foolishness. Chapter 19, verse 13, a foolish son is a grief to his father and bitterness to her who bore him. Oh, dear friend, if you know a woman who fears the Lord, please know that God has granted to you a priceless treasure. I've had many in my family, and I still do. My grandmothers were godly women that loved Christ with all of their heart. My mother was that kind of a woman. My mother-in-law, my dear wife, was among one of the most godly women I have ever known. As I often say, I can look into her eyes and never see bottom. She is by far the most tangible expression of God's grace in my life. And many of you men can say the same thing about your moms and your wives. And you should say those same things. Because a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. The text goes on to say, give her the product of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. As someone has said, the result of labor is her best eulogy. In other words, you can look at the fruit in her life and see that this is a woman who fears the Lord. H.D. Spence, a great theologian of years gone by, says she needs no far-fetched laudation. Her lifelong actions speak for themselves. Where men most congregate, where the heads of the people meet in solemn assembly, there her praise is sung, and a unanimous verdict assigns to her the highest honor. That's a woman who fears the Lord. Well, in conclusion, what are some fitting forms of praise for God-fearing women? Well, if you know that your wife or your mother or grandmother or women in your life 
are this way. She has these kinds of characteristics of biblical wisdom. Let, let, let me give you three things I would encourage you to do very quickly. Number one, you should study her and learn from her. Realize that God has brought her into your life to teach you. Don't take her for granted. She creates an environment in which you and your children can flourish. Do you realize that this type of a woman is a gift from the Lord? Do you realize that? Proverbs 18.22, he who finds a, um, a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. What a great passage. Proverbs 19.14, house and wealth are in, in, inheritance from fathers, but, oh, catch this now, a prudent wife is from the Lord. What a blessing it is to have a mother and a wife like this. Think of the magnificent benefits of her influence in your life and in the lives of your children and your grandchildren. The influence of godly mothers is so profound. I, my mind went as I was meditating upon this to 1 Peter 2 beginning in verse 11. There Peter says, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles. And here's why. So that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. In other words, when those who hate God and who slander Christ and all who belong to him, when they pour out their venom upon you, as they see your godliness in the day of their visitation when the Spirit of God brings conviction to them because of your testimony, because of the power of your life, the Spirit can use that to bring them to saving faith. Isn't it great to have a mom and a wife that is that kind of a woman? Husbands, sons, grandsons, Study the character and the conduct of, conduct of your godly wife and, and mother and grandmother. And you will learn much about godliness. Emulate her unselfish devotion. Allow yourself to be guided by her knowledge in the things of God. So first of all, you should study and learn from her. Secondly, you just need to praise her. Tell her how often, or tell her often how much she means to you. And guess what, folks? Today is a great day to do that, right? This is Mother's Day. We need to tell our mothers this. Today is the perfect day. In fact, if we go back to, to Proverbs 31 and verse 28, we read how that her children will rise up and bless her. Isn't it great to have children who, who honor their mother? And even in verse 29, her husband will do the same thing. So Encourage her in her walk with Christ. Support her. Come alongside her. Thank her for what she is as a godly woman. You know, motherhood can be a very, very difficult journey. They need to be encouraged. And certainly men, those of us who are married to those kind of women, we need to love them as Christ loved the church, right? And finally, may I encourage you to teach your children to praise her as well. Teach your children to praise her. Help them see how she fears the Lord. Contrast your wife with foolish women. Take them to the book of Proverbs. Say, son, daughter, sit down. I want to explain something to you. There are basically two types of women in the world. There are women who fear the Lord, and they're called women of wisdom. And then there are fools who do not fear the Lord. They are called foolish women. Let me show you the difference. Let me tell you the ways that they will conduct themselves so that you can see the difference. Because sons, I want you to hear this, never marry a foolish woman. And you need to know what they look like. Oh, she may be drop-dead gorgeous on the outside. But that's not what you look for. And daughters, don't become this kind of a woman. Be this kind of a woman. 
mothers and dads. This is our responsibility. Teach your children to learn from the godly woman, to obey her. Help them see the gift that they have been given so that they too might praise the Lord for their mother and so that our sons will one day seek that kind of a wife. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for these eternal truths that, that are so clear and they're so, convic- so convicting to humble hearts. And I just pray that indeed our hearts will be humble, that you will soften them because we know that A foolish woman will bring misery and destruction into a family, into a marriage. But we know that a woman who fears you is a woman that will manifest the virtues of Christ and she will be a blessing to all who have the privilege of being around her. Lord, thank you for godly wives, for godly mothers, godly grandmothers. Lord, we give you praise for all of this. And if there be one here today that knows nothing of what it is to truly be in a living, loving, intimate relationship with you, I pray that you will bring such misery into their life that their heart would be humbled and that they will run to you and cry out, for the mercy that you will so quickly give to those who tremble at your word and seek your love and your grace. We thank you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. We pray you've been edified by this presentation. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Calvary Bible Church in Jolton, Tennessee. For more information on Calvary Bible Church or for more audio, please visit our website at cbctn.org.